Thank you, Brother Morris. Thank you, Jody. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Judges. We've kind of swapped things around a bit. We uh, have not finished the uh, study that we were doing for quite some time on the Judges in the Old Testament, and uh, we've been talking about Samson. It's interesting, there's more written about Samson than any of the other Judges, and yet Samson was one you don't want to emulate, uh, was uh, one that had really made a lot of mistakes. But um, the title of my message tonight is There's Been a Great Change. How many of you remember that song? As kids, maybe you sung that. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. There's been a great change. And that's what's ha what happens in anyone's life that comes to Jesus Christ. And here we see a great change take place in the life of Samson. And so let's begin. We're only going to look at a few verses. Uh, Judges 15 and verse 18. Judges chapter 15, and then verse 18. All right, and we'll read just uh, 18, 19, and 20. And he was sore athirst, and called on the Lord, and said, Thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. And now shall I die for thirst, and fall into the hand of the uncircumcised? But God clave an hollow place that was in the jaw, and there came water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he revived. Wherefore, he called the name thereof Eachor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And the judge, or, or excuse me, and he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Our Heavenly Father, as we look at this passage about Samson, may we glean from it what you would have for us tonight and be willing to apply these truths and learn from this word uh, once again. So your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we've, again, we've studied these Old Testament judges. We've considered uh, uh, all the different individuals, quite a few already, and some of them were shining as bright lights in history and uh, bright lights in the dark night that they were in, living in. But when Israel was in trouble... God would send in these judges, and, or a deliverer, as they were called, and he would liberate them from their oppressors. And, often, and the only reason that they were in trouble in the first place was because Israel's disobedience. They would uh, go after other gods and worship other gods, and they would forsake the true and living God. Otherwise, they would have not had these problems. But nonetheless, that's what, how it would go. And most of the judges, as I mentioned already, were faithful, obedient, were godly people. Now, Samson, though, he's quite a different story, different from all the rest. And most of the judges we, we saw, they lived by faith. They were obedient and to the will of God. But Samson lived his own life, and, and by, um, uh, he, he lived in the power of his own flesh rather than living by faith. And Samson spent most of his life trying to promote Samson, trying to please Samson. Physically, Samson was the most powerful man on earth. And he was a very uh, imposing man. In fact, of all the judges, there was no one as physically strong as Samson. Spiritually, though, he was the weakest of them all. And uh, most of his exploits involved around him... Uh, trying to get revenge for those that had wronged him, but actually things that he had done wrong. Now, 
God had originally called him to deliver Israel from the Philistines, but not in the way that, even in his mistakes, I'll just put it this way. God was able to use uh, uh, Samson to accomplish his will. And uh, it's just too bad that it, it would be a whole different story if he had submitted in the first place and obeyed the Lord, uh, he would not have had, I'm sure, the terrible end that he did. But uh, again, Samson is a man whose life should be studied, but not duplicated by any means. And yet the, the lessons we've learned here from, the, from Samson uh, teach us a lot. And that the, the, the greatest enemy we have is self, is one of the things we learn from Sa uh, Samson. Uh, we, and oftentimes that's the case with each and every one of us. Our biggest enemy is ourself. Our biggest problem many times is ourself and the decisions that we make and the things that we are doing. And so uh, Samson had this struggle as well so we can learn from uh, his struggles, learn from his mistakes. But if we learn to conquer self, then we can be uh, victorious. We can walk in this world in spiritual victory with the power of God in our lives. But I'm afraid there's more of Samson in each one of us than we're afraid to admit. Uh, in this text here, we're going to see Samson at his finest hour, though. And I'm glad that we can see a little bit of uh, a good example being set here. Samson's star never climbed higher than it climbed right here in this passage, nor did his light shine any brighter than it does in these three short verses that we read tonight. So in a moment, we'll look at these great, um, well, what, what he, the life of Samson, what it, uh, how it affected the lives around him, especially during this time, and how he just cast himself on the Lord in this situation here and humbled himself before God. And Samson's never stronger, I believe, than he is right here in his weakest point, um, and, and where he learned to just cast himself to, on the mercy of the Lord. So on the end of this great victory, in the hills of this great victory that Samson had against the Philistines, he finds himself in a desperate situation. And he does a very smart thing. He turns to God. He turns to God and finds not only help for the moment he's in, but he also finds hope for his own future. And how we can all relate to that. So we learn some things in these verses that will help us to live uh, cleaner and more productive lives for the glory of God. Now, that's our goal. That's our desire. But first of all, I want you to see in verse 18 that Sam, uh, see Samson's need. Samson had a need. Uh, this passage opens with Samson. Remember, it's been quite a while since we've talked about Samson because of some holidays and such. But Samson had just killed 1,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. And after the battle, we're told that Samson, in verse 18, is sore of thirst. And notice a, a couple thoughts related to Samson's conditions here. First of all, the cause. Well, the cause is quite obvious, having just come out of this heated battle, Samson is hot, he's tired, and he's dehydrated. And I would imagine that killing a thousand Philistines would take quite a bit out of a person. And uh, Judges 15 there, verse 1, it tells us that these events took place 
during the time of the wheat harvest. Now, which means the weather would have been very hot and the battle would have been a tremendous uh, physical drain upon Samson. Samson, in all of his strength, he was still human. And uh, this definitely drained him of energy and, and he was dehydrated. So we see the cause. Now, I want you also to see the hopelessness. Uh, verse 18 suggests that Samson feared that he was going to die. Uh, we've, maybe you've even said that before. I'm going to die of thirst if I don't get something to drink. And we don't, aren't really at that point. I know kids are great at that, aren't they? I'm going to die of hunger if I don't get something to eat. It's been three hours. And, uh, or thirst, you know, they're, they're so thirsty. But, but this was a legitimate need. And he was, um, at the point, uh, it could have been a very serious situation. Samson, what he says here in verse 18, uh, and now shall I die from thirst? He said, I've, I've killed all these Philistines. I've had great victory. Now what am I going to do? Come back here and die from, from thirst? Now Samson believes he has just come through this great battle, this great victory, only to die as a result of... Uh, having no water. And for all of his great strength, Samson couldn't help himself. Can you imagine? Couldn't even go get some water. And I, we don't know the, all the details here, but nonetheless, it was a desperate situation for Samson, a critical mo moment where he was unable to help himself. A mighty man, stronger than any other man, yet unable to help himself at this point. So God brought Samson to this point I believe, to teach him some very important lessons. Sometimes God does that to us, doesn't he? Brings us to the point of desperation, to the point where we have nowhere else to look but up, and where we oftentimes, in, in that moment, are able to hear God more clearly. And so God allowed Samson to come to the place of total inability uh, in himself to meet his own need, and that he might learn the truth that, Samson, you are not self-sufficient. You need me. Talking about God is, is uh, teaching Samson these things. Samson thought he didn't need anyone. Didn't need his parents. What he wanted, he was going to take. And no one could stop him. But here he is crying out for help. So he was taught the valuable truth that without God, you can do nothing. John said in John chapter 15. And so that is a lesson that you and I, that all of us need to learn. Without God, we can do nothing. And many times we act like we think we're, we're self-sufficient, but the truth is, without Him, without God, we are helpless. And uh, we're, we're just like those little babies that are totally dependent upon their mothers for life and for nourishment. And so that's, uh, that's where we need to come. That's where Samson was at this point. Uh, we are dependent upon God. We are, think about it, for the very air that we breathe, we are dependent upon God. And I, for the life of me, it's hard to grasp living in such fear that, we're, that, that uh, we, we doubt that God can even take care of situations that we're facing. I, I mean, even if it means we're going to die, even, even in that, God is able to sustain us and to help us and to walk through us in that valley, of the shadow of death even, even at that. But um, 
but so many times we live in fear, we wring our hands, we, we uh, are, are not uh, uh, sure what to do, we're afraid because we're not trusting God who uh, wants us to be at the place where we're just depending upon him. And th the water we drink, the food that we have, everything, we're dependent upon God. God's the one that provides these things. Uh, think about this. If God shut the water off here in America for 10 years, can you imagine? No rain? It could happen. God did this in the Old Testament for a few years. And even in three years, it creates a lot of problems. And so we're thankful it's God that provides these things. So when we forget that, God will sometimes work in our lives to remind us that we do need him. Uh, there's an old song that says, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. And that's so true. There's um, a lot of truth in that statement. Without him, Christian, we can do nothing. And this is a lesson that Paul had to teach the Corinthian believers there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In fact, he had to learn himself and uh, that it was in his weakness that he was strong. And it's a lesson that would do us all well to uh, learn as also. And then so Samson's need, he's dying of thirst. He is realizing now, I need God. And then secondly, we see Samson's prayer there in verse 18. In that moment of great weakness, Samson does the smartest thing that he has done in his life up to this point. He calls on God. And in this short 27-word uh, prayer, Samson speaks volumes here. He speaks volumes about himself and volumes about God. And so I, I want to take a few moments here to uh, look at this cry or this prayer of Samson's. First of all, he saw himself. This prayer that poured from the lips of Samson here is vastly different from the statement he made. Oh, let me find it here if I'm in the right chapter let me look here um okay look look at verse 16 where he says and samson said with the jawbone of an ass heaps upon heaps with the jawbone of an ass have i slain a thousand men quite a different uh, prayer there in fact in that verse samson demonstrated that he had an eye trouble he had an eye problem and in verse 16, Samson quotes a poem, but it's all of his own greatness. Uh, you know, this guy is full of himself. He's going around uh, quoting this poem about himself. And Samson gives no glory to God, but he claims all the glory uh, of this victory uh, for himself. Samson failed to remember that what, was, what happened there in, in verse 14, where the Bible tells us the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him. Samson forgot, wait a minute, it's not me, it's God, that there's no way that I could do this. And so in verse 16, he kind of forgot about that. Now, Samson's been brought to the end of his abilities. He's drained. He's done. He said he's about to die, and he cries out to God. He sees who he is, and he humbles himself before God. He acknowledges his utter dependence upon the Lord. Oh, these are good lessons for us to learn as Christians. Samson knows that unless God intervenes in my situation, I'm going to die. Now, Sam, so Samson wasn't just spout, you know, spouting off, oh, I'm going to die of thirst, like 
it was not a big deal. He hadn't had water in a couple hours. No, this was a serious situation. And it's no longer a matter of personal glory. It's a matter of survival for Samson. And so this is a, a good reminder how you and I should approach the Lord. You see, we should never come to him making our demands and, and you know, demanding that he do whatever we want him to do. Um, we, with the exception that, or the expectation that, God, you owe me. You need to do this for me because you owe No, God doesn't owe you or nor me anything. Not at all. And uh, we should come to him humbly, remembering that he is the potter, and I'm just that lump of clay on the potter's will. And so we should come before him remembering that he doesn't owe us anything, uh, but that it, in his grace, he's promised us everything. Isn't that amazing? He doesn't owe us anything, but he's promised us everything by his grace. All this, you know, Philippians 4.19, where it says you shall supply all of our needs, and Matthew 6 also talking about supplying our needs, uh, that God takes care of us as he takes care of the birds. And so we should come to him remembering that he has invited us to come into his presence. Uh, the book of Hebrews, that we should come boldly before his throne. And, but even as we come boldly, we need to come with an attitude of a little child. Children coming before him, understanding that we need him. A humble heart, a meek spirit, uh, looking to him for the things that we need. Um, you know, it's, it's like a child that comes to their parents. They come with their, their hands out and their heart open and, and with an absolute faith that they will receive what they need when they come uh, to their father or mother. And they, they, don't, they don't come demanding, but they come with an innocent expectation, believing that God, or that in this case, that my mom, my dad, uh, with, uh, will uh, take care of my needs, provide what I have need of. And that's how we should approach our Heavenly Father. We don't, we don't have any position to make any demands at all. And uh, uh, we fall upon his mercy and grace. So then he, uh, Samson, he saw God. Not only did Samson humble himself and look to God to have his needs met, but he also took time to exalt God. And in his prayer here, now it's no longer quoting and singing about Samson. Now Samson is singing about God, or he's praying about God. Notice three ways in which Samson honored the Lord in his prayer. And number one, he acknowledged God's power. Samson gives all the glory to God now. All the victory is because of God. Samson understands that. And he says there, thou hast given this great deliverance into the hand of thy servant. A whole different Samson here. What a great change has taken place. Samson acknowledges the fact that it, it may have been his hand that was doing this work and that held the jawbone of the donkey, slaying these thousand, this thousand of, of Philistines, but it was God's power that gave the victory. Again, there's some tremendous lessons for you and I in that. Uh, sometimes we act like we think we... We can make it on our own. Uh, we've got it. We, we can handle it. But the fact is, every victory in this life is a gracious gift from God. 
And we need to take time to acknowledge his power in our lives. We are nothing without him. So how long has it been since you praised God for the victories in your life? How long has it been since you praised him for the answered prayer and for him working on your behalf? And uh, so he, he is worthy to be acknowledged for his power. Uh, think of all the prayers he has answered for you. Think of all the times that he has enabled you to, to serve him. Think of how many times he's made a way when there seemed to be no way at all. Think of how his power has been manifested in your life, and we ought to praise him for it. We ought to, uh, why? Because he's worthy. We are nothing without him. And then he acknowledges, not only did he see God here and he acknowledges God's power, but he acknowledges God's person. Um, so he praises God for his power, but he sees God as a, as a person. Samson calls himself thy servant. Samson acknowledges the fact that I'm not the number one guy here. You are, Lord. I am your servant. And with that statement, Samson appears ready to acknowledge God as his master, his, his leader. Now, this is why I said this, this might be Samson's finest hour, uh, because he finally got the, his priorities in the right order. And he got his uh, relationship with the Lord in the right order. And, but in, up to, until this time, Samson has been the master. And you would think God was Samson's servant. And God only, in fact, Samson is doing all that he was doing and just gave God the leftovers. Too many Christians do that today. We give God all the leftovers. Um, but, it, you know, until this time, Samson has been uh, just wasting his life, really, and not serving the Lord as he should. So now he appears ready to bow humbly to the authority of God. Again, there's a lesson for us. Sometimes we fail to remember who is in charge, who the master is, and who the servant is, or the slave. And I just want to remind you tonight that when God saved us, he purchased us. He purchased us, uh, purchased us unto himself. What know, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, that you are bought with a price, the blood of Jesus Christ? Now, so he owns executive rights to our lives. We have no right to, to say, well, this is my right. I will do this regardless. No, we belong to him. And so uh, our rights, uh, are the course of our lives, everything, decisions that we make uh, ought to be directed to him. He is the master, and we are his slaves, his servants. Uh, and, and I think we'd do well to remember that. Sometimes people get a little bit uh, full of themselves. And then also he acknowledges God's preeminence. Uh, Samson is worried here that, you know, I'm about to die. I'm about to leave this earth and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised. He seems to be concerned in the, the way he dies, that if he dies in this manner that the Philistines are going to, take his body and, and use his death as a way to dishonor God. And so Samson prays that God will spare him so that God will not be dishonored. 
And so God, uh, you know, at, at this single moment in time, Samson, his focus is not, um, does not appear to be himself. His focus is on God and uh, what, this, what, what will happen as a result of it. And it appears his desire is to glorify God, which should have been all the way along. Uh, remember 1 Corinthians 10, 31, do all things, whatsoever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so God's preeminence and his glory should be the overriding factor in every decision that you and I make today. And I think we can learn this from Samson here. So I, I, I fear that we often look, you know, we, we think about ourselves uh, before we take God into consideration. We're worried about ourselves and how this is going to work out before we are, are concerned about what God would have us to do and how this would glorify him. Uh, so we do what we want to do. You know, a lot of people say, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to witness. I don't have time to come to church Sunday night or Wednesday night. I just don't have time. You know, we all have time to do what we want to do. And... Um, but the, the problem is, like Samson, too often we have our priorities messed up, and we're not looking to honor and glorify God, we're looking to honor and glorify self. And so, uh, again, some great valuable lessons for us to learn here. So we do as we please, we go where we please, we act as we please with no regards of, of what our deeds, how our actions are going to reflect toward God. So our, our first consideration in everything we do, in every decision that we make, should be, will this action, will what I'm about to do glorify God or will it diminish his glory? So our goal should always be to exalt him. Let me get to my third point here, Samson's answer in verse 19. God hears, and that's a blessing. Look at verse 19 uh, again there in chapter 15. But God clave and hallowed place, and he, so he answers, he hears Samson's prayer, and he answers his prayer. So when Samson prayed, God heard him, and God answered. Now, our, our text says that, uh, you know, it's kind of strange that God would do this, um, in our view. God clave and hallowed place in the, that was in the jaw, and there came water there out. Remember, this was an unclean animal, a dead animal. Uh, why? Now, God can do whatever he wants. I'm just saying it's interesting that uh, it, it happened this way. And so he decided to give Samson water through that from the jawbone. Um, that's his business, obviously. What really matters here is that God heard the cry of his man. He heard this prayer, and he answered this prayer. And that ought to uh, ring in our hearts uh, loud and clear. God hears our prayers, and God answers our prayers. We need to live by faith and trust him. And so God invites us to pray. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me. I will answer thee. Praise the Lord. And he promise, uh, promises that to hear our prayers when we pray. Isaiah 65, 24. He promises to answer our prayers. Matthew chapter 7. A whole string of verses there. Uh, verse, I think it's verse 7, Matthew 7, 7, down through the remainder of those verses where God has promised to uh, uh, answer our prayer. Uh, no prayer is too small and no prayer is too large. We are invited to come before his, before his throne boldly in Hebrews chapter 4. And to cast our care upon him, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 7. Why? Because he cares for you. 
God has made great promises to his people regarding prayer. We just need to take his word at it. When we pray, that's when we're going to see him work in power and uh, uh, do things in our lives that we thought not possible. Because if we refuse to pray, that's when we see nothing. And uh, so we have not because we ask not. And then God uh, revives here. So not only does he hear, but he revives. When Samson prayed, God heard. God answered Samson through the great miracle by giving him this water through this bone. And when Samson took what God gave him, his strength was revived. And he experienced a physical revival. And uh, he was able to continue living. Like Samson, we are in need of a revival. Not so much physically, but spiritually. There are two basic times in life when God's people need revival, in times of wickedness and times of weakness. And uh, during both those times, we need the Lord to miraculously open his, his word to us and work in our lives uh, and, and give us the resources we need to have uh, uh, the strength and the power restored in our lives. So if, if we would ever... Uh, drink deeply from the Word of God. We were talking about this morning that the, the, the power from the Word of God. If we would learn to allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, and then we would seek God's deliverance from times of wickedness, from times of weakness, and we would be victorious. We'd have revival. Uh, we, we would see Him revive our weary souls, and we would see Him use us in greater ways. Well, let me get to the last point here tonight that I'm done. So we've talked about Samson's need, his prayer. We see the answer that Samson received. Fourthly, I want you to see the transformation that took place in verse 20. So let me read that verse uh, once again. And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. So after these things happened, there, Samson appears to, to change his ways. He's not the same Samson. He judged Israel the days of the Philistines 20 years. Now, we don't have any record of what happened in these 20 years. Uh, none of his exploits is recorded for us to, to read. But there are two observations I'd like to make that I, I believe uh, will let us know what kind of, of um, time these 20 years was. First of all, uh, we see he went from disobedience to obedience. Samson is now obeying God. Up to this, this time, Samson had lived a life of disobedience. And now it appears that he settles down and he's obediently serving the Lord for 20 years. There's no record of, of any of these uh, horrible exploits of his going on. And so that definitely reflects a tremendous change that took place in Samson's life, at least during these 20 years. And this is the kind of obedience that God is looking for in each and every one of us. Uh, he wants you and I to honor his will. He wants us to yield to his authority, uh, to offer ourselves up as that living sacrifice. He wants us to be a people who are standing for him in every way and every time and all times of our life in the midst of a wicked world. And then we see not only from disobedient to obedient, but also from fear to peace. Um, again, the, the text seems to imply here that these 20 years that Samson served as a judge was a peaceful time. 
no events really took place. There's, there's nothing recorded. Samson was able to subdue the Philistines, and he was able to faithfully lead his people to God. And so for 20 years, uh, Samson and the people of Israel had a, a time of peace, submitted themselves to God's will, and they experienced this great peace in their lives. The lesson, again, a great lesson for you and I, if we want the blessings of God, if we want the peace of God, if we want to experience tranquility in our lives, uh, then, and we want God's best for us, so we need to obey Him. We need to submit to His will, do what He wants us to do at all times, in all things, in all ways. So it also reminds us that God is leading us in the place of, a, 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 of stable performance. God doesn't want us to live our lives up and down, have, uh, you know, just uh, all over the map here. God wants us to be steadfast, unmovable. Uh, God wants us to be, to do, uh, uh, to be in, in a stable performance and as we serve him. Well, we are just faithful as, as we walk with him moment by moment. That's what God wants, to live in his will, uh, to be steadfast, unmovable, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15. God is looking for that kind of faithfulness, for that kind of obedience, uh, like a life of Enoch. Just walking with God. And that's what God wants from you and I. Samson made a lot of mistakes in his life. But the thing he did right here was he humbled himself before God. He submitted to the will of God. And he achieved great victories. I've talked to a lot of young people and well as adults who've made a lot of mistakes. Made a mess of their lives. But you know the way I look at it, even at that, it's not too late that God can take a person from where they are. And yes, there may be scars, but God can make that uh, life into something meaningful if a person submits to his, his will. So, again, what do we want to take with us from this passage? Um, well, I'm reminded that in this passage that I, too, like Samson, I can be very stubborn at times. And I, I, I want to go my way instead of going God's way. And if I'm not careful, I can be a lot like Samson. So can any of us. So what I need to remember is that God is a very present help in the time of trouble. And if I will humble myself before him, if I will walk in his will and do what he has called me to do, then I can experience victory in my life. So can any Christian. That's the beauty of this. So has God brought you to a place of weakness is he seeking to humble you? Are, are there areas of your life that are, maybe they're not yielded to him tonight? Do you have needs that you should bring before the Lord tonight? Do you need revival in a time of weakness and wickedness? Has he spoken to you about maybe some specific need in your life? I would say, if God is reaching out to you, please respond to him and let him have his way in your life. Yield to his will, and you'll never be sorry you did. Let's bow our heads together in prayer.